This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Let's get right to it. Let's not waste any more time. It is Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And if you are joining us right now... You, you should pr- be fired up! Absolutely, because you may have heard, or if you're hearing it for the very first time, the Seattle Seahawks have come to an agreement with pass rushing specialist Ziggy Ansa. Yes! According to Ian Rappaport, according to Adam Schefter, this deal is about as official as it gets. Yes, it is. Ansa is reportedly going to be at the Seahawks headquarters tomorrow to put the finishing touches on this contract. Fly him in, Curtis. Fly him in. Pay him with your own money, Curtis. I'll flag him down at Boeing Field or wherever it is that his plane is landing. But Ziggy Ansa <laughs> is going to be a member of the Seattle Seahawks as free agency is is now back in full swing. There was a lot of quiet after, what was it, yesterday's deadline Ooh, uh, where yeah. – now compensatory picks are no longer involved in how deals get done. But today, the Seahawks actually, within the half hour, have come to an agreement with Ziggy Ansa on a one-year contract. Adam Schefter with the details on that. Jake, Jake Heaps, Curtis Rogers here with you for the next two hours on 710 ESPN Seattle, breaking down this deal from all angles, from every which one you want to look at. Uh, but, Jake, your instant reaction to the Ziggy Ansa signing. Uh, well, I might have disturbed you a little bit, Curtis. I, the football player came out of me and as we were in the sports pit just kind of waiting around and saw the news and a lot of fist pumping, a lot of yelling, a lot of fired up uh, going on. And uh, I think this was a huge thing for the Seahawks to be able to bring in the, the caliber player of Ziggy Ansa. Now, there is some injury history uh, with Ziggy, and it's not like this guy is coming in fully healthy, coming off his best season. But you talk about risk-reward, this is about as good as it gets to find a replacement for Frank Clark that's out there. Ziggy Ansa, when on the field, is one of the elite defensive ends in this league. The question has never been about his ability. It's been about his availability over the last couple seasons. And when you really look at it, he had a down year, in uh, if, if my memory serves me, I'll get this right. But if you're talking about 2016, uh, he had a two-sack season. He bounced back, then had a 12-sack season, and then was injured early in the season where he recorded four sacks and still was a very productive player but on limited playing time of this last season. So he's going to report into camp and be able to fully participate, it sounds like, going into middle in middle August, middle of camp, and probably be ready to roll 100% and be able to contribute for the Seahawks probably week two, week three of the season. And to me, that's that's fine by me because if this team is serious about making a Super Bowl run, then then we, then having him for 14 weeks of the regular season is fine by me and also into the playoffs. So he brings a great element to this group. And, again, this is not going to be – he has the ability to replace Frank Clark's sack numbers, but he doesn't need to do that. 
as long as he can come in and be a healthy contributor and be a disruptor, I love the idea of this being sacked by committee, pressure by committee, and Z- Ziggy Ansah is a huge boost to that defensive line. You look at Ansah, and you mentioned Jake, his health concerns. Hasn't played a full season since the 2015 season, but in 2017 in just 14 games came, came away with 12 sacks. Pro Football Focus uh, just tweeting out about a couple minutes ago, uh, Ansa's stats in 2014 and 2015, the last two seasons in which he played a full game, he was eighth in the NFL in quarterback pressures with 64 in, 25, in 2014. And then the very next season, he finished 10th in the NFL with 66 pressures. So when healthy, this is a guy that absolutely can wreak havoc on opponent's quarterbacks. I mean, 12 sacks just two seasons ago. In seven games a year ago, he had four sacks. This is a guy, he's just, what, 29 years old, so it's not like they're getting some guy who's on his last wind. Uh, but I like, I love the risk that the Seahawks are taking here. There is very little that you can lose in bringing in a guy like Ziggy Ansah to this defense, especially with how desperate the Seahawks are right now for pass rush after the trade of Frank Clark. You've got Jaron Reed now. You've got LJ Collier the first-round pick, Ziggy Ansa. We're going to ask the question later on tonight, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Frank Clark and the Seahawks draft hall before the draft, so the four picks, or would you rather have Ziggy Ansa and the 11 picks in which the Seahawks were able to walk away with in the draft this year? We will ask that uh, coming up later on in the show. But if you're just joining us, Ziggy Ansa is going to be a member of the Seattle Seahawks coming to a one-year agreement with the organization. Ian Rappaport first with the news, Adam Schefter with the details of it being a one-year contract. Jake, we start off every night here on Seattle Sports Night by looking at what's on the timeline. You sure do. And clearly, this is the number one thing on the timeline right now as the Seahawks bringing in a veteran pass-rushing specialist, Ziggy Ansah, a guy who you played with yes. at uh, BYU in your early college days. Uh, but what a, a remarkable journey it's been for him. Uh, fifth overall pick in 2013, a guy who hadn't even picked up a football by the time he stepped on campus at BYU. Now he is... Yep. Uh, just one of the most coveted free agents this class. Yes. And, I mean, the Seahawks are going to uh, take a big flyer on him, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to Seattle. Yeah, I I think that this is definitely going to be a a signing that is going to produce a lot of great results. I'm not too concerned right now about his injury history, about where he's at currently. I think he is going to be able to be healthy and to get him on a one-year deal right now where Ziggy Ansah, you are using the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are using you to help get them deep into the playoffs and ultimately to the Super Bowl. And Ziggy now is incentivized to say, hey, NFL, I can be ready. I can be healthy for a full season, and I want to be acknowledged as one of the NFL elite. And to get paid such, sign me up. There's a lot of motivation. There's $20 million plus for Ziggy Ansa to get out there if he can produce this next season. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a great thing for both sides. Absolutely. I, I'm looking at our our show sheet here that we had planned out all day. Like This is what <laughs> we were going to talk about and how it, it is it has just been thrown out the window within the last 20 minutes That's or right. so. Uh, we were going to talk about how quiet it's been in free agency. We were. It, I was starting to lose my mind, Curtis. I was like, the, all this hype going into May 7th, we're not going to lose any <laughs> compensatory picks. There's some great options out there. And then crickets. Nothing. 
And now this gets us kicked off. We're on the train now. The Seahawks have have been really one of the first ones to get on this and get the biggest splash in this next phase of free agent signings. And don't expect them to stop here, guys. They're probably going to be in the hunt for at least two more players, one more pass rusher, one more defensive tackle to help sure up uh, that that, uh, run-stopping ability. So I am really excited about the direction of the Seahawks and how this roster is ultimately shaping up. Man, there, there's, uh, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan right now. That's a great point because the Seahawks shopping list doesn't end here. They still have other needs on the defense, even and they some got needs the on the room. offense. Yeah, and now they've got the cap room in trading Frank Clark. That's another thing you got to look at. What situation's better, Frank Clark being here or Frank Clark being in Kansas City? Because if he were still here... There would not be that cap room for the Seahawks to go out and get a Ziggy Ansah and then add more pieces to this defense. So uh, that's going to be a question we ask throughout the night here on Seattle Sports Tonight. By the way, you can join in on the conversation. Coors Light text line always there for you, 710-710. That is the number to text. Um, but as we so as we just heard here on 710 ESPN Seattle, uh, before the Ziggy Anson news broke, the Mariners, they got a much-needed win over the New York Yankees tonight winning it 10-1, to Yusei Kikuchi building off his best start so far with an even better start, going seven and two-thirds innings, taking a no-hitter into the sixth inning tonight. Great to see the Mariners get better production out of the lefty because early on in the season he was struggling, but now Kikuchi really settling down and doing it against really two good teams in Cleveland and New York. Great yeah. to see tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for Yusei Kikuchi, there was high expectations for him. But also, this is an opportunity in a year where it doesn't really matter for this group in terms of the wins and losses. Now you have an opportunity with less pressure to come out there and kind of feel this thing out, feel what it's like to pitch in the major leagues. And uh, it's fun to see as he's developing that it's just continuing to get better and better. And and with this outing, man, was it impressive. He had a a couple nasty curveballs to get some strikeouts. Uh, fun to watch, and man, Curtis, this this Mariners baseball team, it is feast or famine. It is either a struggle to watch or it is so much fun with a ton of fireworks. So uh, you never know what you're going to get with this team, but again, it's about watching these key players, like you say, Kikuchi, how do they develop over the course of the season? Exactly. I could not have said it better myself. I mean, this Mariners team, it is... The ultimate feaster famine. There are nights where they are completely unwatchable. There are nights where they look like the best team on earth, just like tonight, where they put yeah. up 10 runs against a, a contending team and like the Yankees. Just give me some normalcy. Give me something <laughs> Give me something to hang my hat on, because right now nope. it's not working. Uh, some other news on the timeline tonight, and obviously we're going to get back into the Ziggy Onsa conversation here shortly, but uh, Matisse Theibel former University of Washington Husky, two-time Pac-12 Player of the Year. He announced today he's not going to attend the NBA Combine, which is an interesting move for a guy who is kind of on the fringe of the first round, maybe even an early second rounder. But I look at it like this. I think Matisse Theibel may have gotten word from an NBA front office saying, hey, if you're available at our pick, if we're picking in the 20 to 30 range in the NBA draft, if yeah. you're there, we're going to take you no matter what. And to get a guarantee like that, I'm not saying it's happened, but I feel like that's what's led to this decision of Thibault deciding, hey, you know what? I got an invite to the NBA Combine, but I'm not going to go because I've got security from a team out there. I don't know which team it would be, but yeah. 
I feel like that might be the reason why he's saying no to the NBA combine. Yeah, or or it could be even higher than that, higher than what we're anticipating. Uh, anytime a player like this makes a strategic decision, it's either because they've gotten information from other franchises out there or their agent, uh, whoever's close to them, is giving them particular advice for what's their best interest. And uh, I hope for Matisse Thibel this is a good thing and not him trying to hide an injury or hide something uh, that to, to get away from the scouts in this situation. So uh, I think Matisse Thibel is an interesting player that could have a really long career in the NBA if he can develop his offensive game because he's one of the best premier uh, defensive players perimeter players uh, that's going into this draft. So I'm excited to see how it unfolds for him. Absolutely. And then also, speaking of college basketball, some guilty verdicts reached in the federal bribery case against AAU runners Christian Dawkins and Merle Code. And then Christian Dawkins, by the way, confirmed today that a conversation between him and Arizona head coach Sean Miller about the recruitment of DeAndre Ayton never happened. Ah, good news for your Wildcats, right? Yes, we will get into that a little bit uh, coming up at 8.30 tonight in Big If True because that's true, so it's pretty big. It is pretty big. Now, we can't skip over this. We can't end the timeline without talking about this one topic for our Stacey Ross who couldn't be here tonight. Stacey's not here tonight, but we would be remiss if we missed this because Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, they have named their firstborn son Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. <laughs> I don't know where the Mountbatten comes from. Yeah, I don't either. I'm ignorant to all this. So, you guys listening, texting in, could you please inform us? Me and Curtis, we're ignorant yes. on this. We don't have Stacy to educate us on this. And very interesting that they went outside the normal names of of royalty. That they went with Archie. I know my wife when when she looked it up, she was blown away with the fact that it was Archie. It wasn't even like Archibald or something like that. Uh, of course, uh, having Meghan Markle, someone in the Hollywood scene, is going to try and do mm. something a little bit different than the norm. A little bit. We're, we're a little bit different from the norm here in Seattle Sports tonight. So uh, thank you so much for stopping by. But coming up next... Don't you go anywhere. Don't you go anywhere. More reaction to the signing of Ziggy Ansa. The Seahawks have now brought in a tremendous pass rusher. What does one salary cap expert in the NFL world think about this move? Well, we'll hear from Joel Corey next. You're listening to Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. A lot of texts coming in to the Coors Light text line. 253 saying, you know, I was thinking just how quiet it's been the past few hours and no news. And then that was just the calm before the storm. Great signing for the Seahawks. That's the 253 checking in. Uh, Checks from the 253 wanting to know, what does the DN rotation look like now with uh, divvying up the snaps? And then uh, from the 360, some clarification on why they chose, uh, why the uh, royal couple, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of, Su- of Sussex, why they chose uh, Archibald Harrison Mountbatten-Windsor. Uh, the 360 says Lord Mountbatten, uh, a.k.a. Lord Battenberg, was Prince Charles' favorite uncle. Murdered by the IRA, exploded his yacht in the Irish Sea. Wow, that is... 
Is that is that, that true? Is, I apparently that three, that's what the three six L saying. You better not be lying to us because we're very gullible. That's okay. I mean, that is like some heavy stuff right there. Yes, it is. Uh, but uh, let's let's get into some more positive news here because Ziggy okay. Ansa is on his way to the Seahawks. He is uh, now. Well, I mean, tomorrow is he's going to be heading to the VMAC, getting that deal done. The Seahawks now. Uh, Signing him, and what's interesting to note, that 2013 draft that everybody looked at uh, a year ago because the Seahawks kept signing all these guys that had been picked in the top like five and six and seven. Yeah. Uh, there's a tweet going out. Uh, Randy Polakar, I'm not familiar with him, uh, but the Seahawks have signed six of the top 13 picks from that year's draft in 2013. And I think Barkevius Mingo was in that class. Luke Jokel was in that class. Uh, you've got... Ziggy Ansah, obviously now here in Seattle, he's by far the most productive member of that class that the Seahawks have signed. Um, but just a, an interesting, interesting little nugget uh, around the signing of Ziggy Ansah tonight. Well, Joel yeah. Corey, uh, salary cap expert, he of CBS Sports, he joined John Clayton earlier today from 10 to noon, kind of foreshadowing what the Seahawks were going to do tonight in bringing in Ziggy Ansah. And here is what Corey had to say on what the Seahawks deal for Ansa could potentially look like. I put it between eight and twelve million for two reasons. Uh, Robert Quinn's renegotiated contract with Dallas is eight million on a one, and Dante Fowler, who really hasn't shown he can do much anything, third pick when he was was drafted in 2015, signed for a base value of twelve. So those are really the two comps that I look at. Um, I think a deal. Uh, with Ansah would have considerable upside where if he stayed healthy and was the player that we all think he can be, then he could make up to close to what his franchise tag was. But he would have to be having that 12, 13, 14, 15 sack year to do that. And in any deal he signs, I expect there to be huge per-game roster bonuses because he can't stay healthy. Joel Corey, a guy who very much knows what he's talking about when it comes to salary figures and numbers. Yeah. He says the deal he expects it to be between eight and twelve million dollars with the Seahawks. When you hear those numbers get tossed out like that, what what is your reaction to hearing those figures? Well, my initial reaction is I would anticipate it more of the Seahawks style is they want to be as cheap as possible. So making it more of an incentive laden deal, meaning that it's going to be under ten, but it has the ability to get up to that sixteen, seventeen million dollar range with roster per roster game bonuses, uh, with your performance bonuses in terms of sacks. Uh, I, I think it's going to be more along those lines. Now, if it's twelve million dollar base, to me, Curtis, that doesn't surprise me. Okay, uh, the reason why it doesn't surprise me is because this guy last year was on a franchise tag. He was $17.5 million and was slated if he could have been healthy. He was probably going to be the difference where I think Joel Corey uh, is wrong here is I don't think he would have gotten an $18 million deal that he was saying with Trey Flowers. He would have been in the $20 million range. That's the type of level of ability that he has. Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, he is one of those premier disruptors in this league on the defensive line. So, uh, you're getting a guy that has that ability. So $12 million base wouldn't shock me, uh, and, and especially for the Seahawks. They have more cap room in this particular time of the year than they ever have. And so to find a guy that can legitimately potentially replace Frank Clark, 
yeah, I think it's worth it. And and they also, because of that, it isn't going to hold them back from being able to sign or keep adding to that roster on the defensive line. So I think it makes sense. And you look at the price that teams pay for pass rush in today's NFL. You look at the Chiefs, they gave Frank Clark a contract over $100 million and also gave up a first-round pick in this year's draft and a second in the 2020 draft. You look at the Cowboys and what they've given up for Demarcus Lawrence, having to pay him, what, $21 million a year? And now the Seahawks can get a guy who gives you similar production in terms of pass rush that those guys did. You don't have to give up a draft pick. You don't have to make a trade for somebody. You sign him between that 8 and eight to $12 million price tag that Joel Corey points out. I think this is a no-brainer move that the Seahawks made tonight. That Yeah, you bring in a guy like Ziggy Ansah because yeah. what if he does give you 14 to 16 games of, of productivity this season? Even in limited duty a year ago with seven games, he still came away with four sacks. Shield Kapadia of The Athletic and a friend of the station for sure. Uh, even in limited duty, he points out that Ziggy Ansah produced a sack or quarterback hit on 10.4% of his pass rush chances. That was the highest mark of any free agent in this year's class, better than Demarcus Lawrence, better than D. Ford, better than Trey Flowers. Yep. I mean, those three guys got paid Absolutely. this offseason. Absolutely they did. And Ansah, in, when he's out on the field, is more productive than those guys. He is an extremely, extremely productive player, and, and again, it comes back to his availability. And that's why this is such an important year for the Seahawks and for Ziggy Ansah to capitalize on this opportunity. And this is the perfect fit, Curtis. Like, literally, the perfect fit for Ziggy Ansah. One, the Seahawks have experience of getting guys like him, veteran players that are looking for opportunity to, to perform and showcase their talents in one year. Two, being able to get guys back on the field, having great resources around them, to help them uh, in these cases like Ziggy, who's trying to get back on the field, and the Seahawks have all the resources to be able to do that. Three, this is one of the best places to play in the National Football League in terms of a defensive player. This crowd, the 12s, they are insane. And for a guy that is that is up for getting after the passer, there's no better place to play than here. And four, you're playing in one of the greatest environments, one of the greatest organization locker room-wise that there is. There's uh, To play for Pete Carroll, um, honestly, it is a very, very laid-back, fun, energetic experience. And for a guy like Ziggy Ansah, who hasn't been around that in Detroit, this is going to be an incredible experience for him. And for those four reasons, this makes a ton of sense. And the last one I'll give you, Curtis, he walks in the door immediately the most elite pass rusher on this team. Yes. He's going to be the number one guy, and he will have every single opportunity to get his. Joel Corey, backing up what you're saying there, Jake, about Seattle being the best fit for him and providing him the best chance to prove himself. Oh, it's wide open because with Frank Clark gone, there's an obvious hole because if I have to take less money to go to Seattle as opposed to other teams, I'm looking at the big picture, which is, yeah, I want to get paid this year, but I'm trying to set myself up to sign a huge long-term deal. And the only time, only way I can do that is to, one, stay healthy, and, two, have the opportunity to be on the field and generate a bunch of sacks, and Seattle would provide a perfect opportunity for that. You want to know what also fires me up is that uh, last week on Brock and Salk, Pete Carroll talked about 
you know, the different phases of where they're at. Phase one being initial free agency, phase two going into the draft, and phase three, Curtis, is this period right here. And John and Pete, after the draft, really talked about phase three, how they weren't done. Then Pete goes on Brock and Salk and talks with them about how they're not done uh, in this in this spotlight and also said, went further and said, there are a lot of players that are excited about being a part of Seattle. And to me right there, this just goes to show that Ziggy Ansah not only was looking to try and get a really good contract for himself in this one-year situation, but it was about finding the right place. And I believe that Pete Carroll was talking about Ziggy Ansah in that particular cut. Mm. I think that he wanted to be here in Seattle after that visit, after coming down here on a gorgeous sunny day in Seattle, he got to see the best of what this place can be. And if you're him in this situation, there's nowhere I'd rather be to try and play my one year to show the NFL what I can do than the Seahawks. And uh, I think this is really going to be exciting uh, for, for the fans and for him in particular. Coming up in about 15 minutes here on Seattle Sports at Night. With Ziggy Ansah signed, what is the next item the Seahawks will check off of their free agency wish list? We answered that question in another edition of Four Down Territory. By the way, you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate Dealers. But coming up next, with the Mariners doing what they did tonight, winning at 10-1, to are we watching this Mariners season wrong? Well, how can you watch something wrong? But how does a fan keep from being upset watching this Ah, Mariners That's season? the key, Curtis, because right now I am struggling with that. Jake's struggling. We're going to talk him off the ledge. All we right. answer that question next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Curtis Rogers, joined by the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Which, by the way, you can hear Jake tomorrow. I'm filling in for Mike Salk on Brock and Salk. Yeah, going to be the last thing you hear locally and the first thing tomorrow morning. So, yeah. Yeah. So, fired up. Let's go. Jake, he'll put you to sleep and he'll wake you up tomorrow. <laughs> That's that's how it's going that's right. here on 710 ESPN Seattle. But, yeah, Ziggy Anta. Coming to Seattle, he is going to be a Seattle Seahawk, which, I mean... This is huge. I mean, we were just talking in the break. I mean, Curtis brought up a good point is Ziggy Ansah might be the biggest free agent signing, not the biggest player that they brought in. That's via trade, you can make an argument. But, But for John Schneider and Pete Carroll, the biggest free agent signing that they've ever had right now with Ziggy Ansah. Yeah, because you look at the guys that they've brought in in free agency over the years, and it's been a lot of secondary kind of like secondary level kind of players, like the Barkevius Mingos, Bradley Sowell, uh, Jamarcus Webb, Luke Jokel, uh, O'Brien Schofield back in the day. Um, but Ziggy Ansah is very much a an elite pass rusher when healthy. And, I mean, the Seahawks just haven't brought in a guy like that since maybe the Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett dual signings back in uh, heading into the 2013 season. So, I mean, you look at just the Someone potential. Someone threw out Sidney Rice. Okay. Yeah, that was a 253. I see ya. He was he was productive in his years here, but I don't think he was able to match sort of what they had anticipated for him coming off the huge season that he had with Minnesota when Brett Favre was throwing to him. 
Um, but the, yeah, that was an interesting signing they made back in the day. It was kind of around that era in which the Seahawks were going out there and signing like the best available wide receiver to see, like, oh, maybe this guy will fit. Because Deion Branch, they traded for him. They brought in TJ Hushmanzada a couple years later. Uh, and then Sidney Rice was a couple years after that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's Seahawks and free agency hasn't normally been a great combination. Uh, but I think this signing, this opportunity that we are have that we've been placed uh, or that has come to us here tonight uh, with Ziggy Ansah on his way. I think this one has a huge opportunity to uh, be a very productive signing for the Seahawks organization. Uh, the Mariners tonight they got a ten to one win over the New York Yankees in Game Three of the series, and it was a very nice night for Yusei Kikuchi out on the mound, striking out three, going seven and two thirds innings pitched taking a no-hitter into the sixth inning. But you look at the Mariners and where they are compared to where they began the season, I mean, it is it is literally night and day because they were 13-2 and to start the year, and since then they have gone, what is it, 7-17 and 17 in 24 games. Like, that's that's not good. That is, that is ugly. Uh, very, be, very ugly. Yeah, to be, you know, to be precise about this. At this point, I think it's fair to say this is the kind of season where Mariners fans are at a point where they're kind of looking to Tacoma for the next wave, which even though they have a winning record right now, I look at what they are doing over the last you know three and a half weeks here, and I think that is more indicative of the team they are rather than the 13-2 and start because how they started the season winning 13-2 and it how they were winning those games by bludgeoning teams offensively, it masked their bullpen, which was still giving up you know about two runs, three runs here and there. But it didn't matter because the Mariners had built up such a big lead. You didn't notice that the bullpen was as bad as it was. You didn't notice the defense was as bad as it was when they were going out and scoring eight, nine, ten runs a game, just like tonight. You didn't notice that you know. The bullpen did its job, but that's because Yusei Kikuchi gave them such a great head start on the game. Um, but last night, when they lost 5-4, to four, right. they were up 4-1, to one, and the bullpen gacked it, gave up four runs in the final two innings of that game, and, and they lost. And we saw it in the Cleveland series. And now we're seeing the Mariners in a position where they're probably not going to be playing for a playoff spot, even though the American League is as bad as it is, mm-hmm. even though there are still plenty of teams kind of in that second level. Okay, Curtis, help me, though, because okay. I'm watching this team, and I watched that start and where they were at and also what this offensive firepower of this team, and, and they've, they've got some de- – I think at this point we can say they have decent starting pitching pitching that has the ability to get you late into the games and and try and get that bullpen as few of innings as possible. With the American League being as down as it is, it is frustrating to watch this team be so up and down. Why can't they have any level of consistency? I don't even care if it's 500 consistency where they're at right now, but to all of a sudden explode and, and win games by 10 runs, 9 runs, and then also be on the flip side of it and, and have a disaster streak. How how do I cope with that? I think you cope with it by just you know looking back at the words that Depoto and Service sold us on this entire off season that this was going to be a step back. This was going to be a year in which things may not have may not be pretty at times, and it's clearly 
not pretty, even though they did win tonight, uh, ten to one, and even though they did win on Sunday, ten to nothing against Cleveland and New York, two teams that have postseason aspirations. It's also looking past the other games in which you know the Mariners lost two of three to Cleveland, and they've lost two of three to start here against New York. The Mariners' highs are about as high as it gets. That thirteen and two stretch to start the year. That was some of the most fun we've had as Mariner fans watching this team over the last two decades, and which is sad to say, but also it's the truth. Meanwhile, what we're doing, what the what the Mariners are doing right now, that is very much, uh, you know, that's kind of been par for the course for this team. But I look at guys in which the Mariners got in these trades this offseason: the Jared Kelnicks, the J.P. Crawfords, the Justice Sheffields, Justin Dunn all these guys that they got in these trades, and most of them are producing at a very good clip. Unfortunately, they're doing it in the minor leagues. They're not doing it at the major league level. But you look at guys on the major league roster who they also got in trades this offseason. Domingo Santana, who they paid very little for. He's you know among the American League leaders in RBIs still. And I think the Mariners are at a position where they should be looking towards next season. And if you're a Mariners fan right now, I think you root for Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce to have just great, great first halves of this season. And Edwin Encarnacion has hit a home run in four of his last five games. Yeah, Jay Bruce has 11 home runs on the season. If those guys can continue to produce at this clip, you conti- you got to root for those guys to have great seasons because come July 31st, they're going to be desirable to a lot of teams in contention. You know, there are teams in the American League that are desperate for right-handed power hitting, especially out of the DH spot. So, I mean, Edwin Encarnacion's a guy. Jay Bruce with a left-handed bat. I mean, that that also is is an incredibly desirable. How piece. many guys? How many guys from the minor leagues right now uh, would you like to see ultimately get onto the major league roster right now? Is it a very limited number? Is it a, a, a bigger number? Because, uh, you know, in baseball, it has been talked a lot about it isn't like every other sport in terms of necessarily getting them that experience is the best thing for them. It's about uh, bringing them up at the right time when they're mentally ready for it um, instead of other sports of, you know, you could ruin their psyche early like you have uh, mentioned many times. So who are the guys that you think could possibly be ready to make that jump now? And is that the best thing for this team now? Is it better to just stay put, stay status quo, uh, and, and let those guys compete for next year? I think the the one guy I look at right now who is currently in the minor leagues that should be ready and that I think is knocking very loudly at the door is J.P. Crawford, who has reached base every single game of Tacoma's season so far. And yeah, Offensive numbers can get inflated in the Pacific Coast League because you're playing in ballparks that are at elevation and balls fly out of there left and right. And I think he's a guy, though, that comes with a very impressive resume. He's been ranked among the game's best prospects over the last three or four seasons, and he just needed a shot because the Phillies were at a point where they were looking to contend and they didn't want to wait around for his development. So what they did is they got out and acquired Gene Segura, an all-star shortstop, for Crawford. And I think Crawford's at a point where there's you run the risk of promoting guys too early. You also run the risk of promoting guys too late. They may get down on themselves 
being like, oh, I've done all I can do down here, and my talent's still not being noticed. Right. What do you do in that point? Well, well, it certainly yeah. is an opportunity for him because he's hitting the lights out of the ball, and it's not like Tim Beckham has provided the greatest defense uh, for the Mariners. So it'd be interesting to see at what point do they end up bringing him up and giving him that opportunity if they do this season. Exactly. So that, I think that's one thing. Those are a couple things you got to root for. You got to root for Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce to continue producing like they have, and then I think you got to root for the development of these young guys. And if I mean, if that causes you to pay attention more to uh, minor league baseball than you ever have in, in years past, then uh, you know I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think more baseball is bad, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what you should be looking for in this Mariners season. But uh, let's get back to some Ziggy Onsen talk. Four down territory coming up next. The quarterback guru Jake Heaps in to answer four of the biggest questions in football right now including with Ziggy Ansah signed, what is the next item the Seahawks check off of their free agent wish list? Curtis Rogers, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Tonight, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, 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 deep. Some more details on the Ziggy Ansah signing that the Seahawks have reached here tonight. Adam Schefter reporting that the deal is expected to include a $5.5 million in guaranteed money with incentives that could boost it by roughly another $8 million. So there's a possibility of it coming out to $13 million at the end of the season. But $5.5 million guaranteed for Ziggy Ansah over one year with a whole bunch of incentives that could get it up to thirteen. Let's get into four-down territory with the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Number one. All right, Jake, Ziggy Ansah, he is off the board, coming to Seattle. With him signed, what is now the next item the Seahawks check off of their free agent wish list? My goodness, it feels good to hear you say that. Ziggy Ansah, (laughs) coming to Seattle, baby. We needed it. Now, they're not done yet. They are definitely not done yet. And now hearing the details of the contract, John Schneider, you are a wizard, sir. To get Ziggy Onset 5.5 and maybe with the incentives of $13 million, this was more of the range of where we were initially thinking. And then as you started going more and more into it, maybe that price tag was going to go up and up now that Ziggy Onset was going to be the hottest free agent at this point in time. So now what do they do? What they do is they're going to add two more pass rushers. They definitely have the ability to do that. And... What they're going to do is they're going to get probably Nick Perry, Shane Ray, Derek Morgan is another name that they could possibly land. And also, don't count out Deion Jordan, who has been here in Seattle. They know what they could get out of him. To me, that name is a little bit lower on the wish list, but I think Nick Perry and Shane Ray are the guys that make the most sense in this situation. Then from there, the guy that I think makes a lot of sense is Danny Shelton. Now, he's not the pass-rushing guy that you would like uh, for them to add, but he is very firm in the run game. And to me, the reason why he didn't get extended with the Patriots was simply because the Patriots didn't want to give him his $10.5 million fifth-year option. So that leaves Danny Shelton on the table for you. Earl Mitchell is another name. And Gerald McCoy is an outlier that is would be interesting to watch for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a guy who's owed big money for Tampa Bay, but it's not guaranteed contracts. So they could cut him, trade him, 
Uh, so that's one to really keep an eye on. That would be a really exciting addition. And also the one out there that's very controversial for some reason is Indominican Sioux. Mm, 85-8 and, asking about it right now on the it, Coors Light text line. To me, I think it is overblown with the concerns about Indominican Sioux. I understand that there's concerns about his effort and his willingness to practice, but if there's any place for Indominican Sioux to go and get his very best of, it is Seattle. It is Pete Carroll who could get that going for him. And Indominican Sioux is not going to be the leader of that defensive line. It is Jaron Reed. And from what I know of Jaron Reed and what I know of LJ Collier right now, you've got young, hungry guys that want to make it. And a guy like Indominican Sue is either going to fit right in or he's going to be the outlier. And with all that being said, when he turns it on, he is one of the premier players and one of the big disruptors in this league. So to me, I think it would be a welcomed addition. You can never have enough pass rush. Number Number two. two. Second down to you, Jake. Colson Yankoff transferring away from the Husky program. He will reportedly visit UCLA. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting decision there. Which style of offense best suits his skill set? Well, UCLA's offense would fit his skill set. Trevor, uh, uh, Colson Yankoff is a guy that I believe is more of a spread offense with that has has more emphasis in the QB run game. That is his style. He's an incredible athlete. Uh, was was towards the top in terms of his short shuttle, his three cone, his vertical leap. Uh, he could be a difference maker as a playmaking quarterback. In terms of drop back pass and playing in a pro style system, that's just not his bag. And UCLA with Chip Kelly, that is more of his scheme fit. And there are lots of schemes out there in college football right now that that his skill set would fit very, very well in. So this could be maybe a one-and-done visit, or this could be one of many for Colson Yankoff right now. It would be interesting for me to see him ultimately end up at UCLA because they have a pretty good player right now, young guy in Dorian Thompson-Robinson who played as a true freshman who I think is only going to get better. So I think this is just one stop of many for Colson Yankoff. And if he can end, again, in a, in a spread system that is focused on the QB run game, read option, uh, and, and getting out on the perimeter, he can be a very successful player at that level. Number three. Third down to you. CBS Sports, Tom Fornelli, he ranked the top 25 coaches in college football right now. Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, one and two. Pretty easy decision right there. Guess who came in at number three? Who? That'd be Chris Peterson. Wow. For comparison's sake, Mike Leach came in at number 20, but Chris Peterson... At number three, too high or just right? Well, I mean, trying to pull up this list right now, but I think when you look at it from that perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of what Chris Chris Peterson has done. And uh, I think his time at Boise State cannot be understated. Uh, What he was able to do was was incredible. And now being in the Pac-12, he has turned a team that was a – middle-of-the-road team in the Pac-12 and a team that was trying to breathe life. Steve Sarkeesian kind of gave it a jump start from that 0-12 run in Ty- with Ty Willingham, which ultimately led me away from not picking you, Dove, which I'm still hmm. bitter about. But it, it's you go from 15-12 and 12 in your first two seasons, and now, in, now you're running 32-9, and nine, and in the last three seasons have, have won the Pac-12 uh, twice, gotten yourself into a playoff berth, and there's no signs of Chris Peterson slowing down in Washington not being at the top of the Pac-12. And so 
I think this is I think this is about right. Chris Peterson's done an excellent job. Lincoln Riley, he took over a very very well established program and has had a lot of success and has had you know two first round quarterbacks. But again, he didn't he didn't just bring that up from nowhere. He didn't build the Oklahoma it, exactly. program. Jimbo Jim, Jimbo Fisher uh, has has had a great winning tradition. Didn't light it up necessarily with the Aggies nine win season. Good for them, and I expect them to be better and better. Uh, Kirby Smart doing a good job. Brian Kelly, okay. Gary Patterson, I think, is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. He's an absolutely a top 10 coach. David Shaw, I think, is falling down off that list. The Stanford hasn't had great production over the last couple seasons. His first six seasons were definitely tremendous. Uh, and so when you look at the top 10 list of coaches, Chris Peterson absolutely belongs there. And I think he's definitely right there behind Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban. Number four. Fourth down, last opportunity to put seven on the board before we head into the break. You were out at Seahawks rookie minicamp this last weekend. DK Metcalf, the obvious standout performer. Curtis, can who, I can I say that I have a mini man crush on DK Metcalf? Oh, yes, I, I have a mini other man crush, QB tonight. man crush on DK Metcalf. I am fired up about what he could be. But uh, sorry, go so, ahead. Sorry, man crush aside. Yes, which Seahawks rookie other than DK Metcalf? Stood out to you the most? Yeah, to me, I think that this draft, John Schneider has done an excellent job. John Schneider and the scouting department, the last two seasons, have done very well for themselves uh, in the draft. And they have identified really good football players. And this draft in particular, they've done a great job with their 11 picks. And the guys that really stood out to me watching rookie minicamp, you can't really, the D line, you can't really get a great sense of them. DBs, they weren't really tested a whole bunch because of the quarterback play at rookie minicamp. But the guys you could really see were Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan. The other guy that stood out to me was Travis Homer. Travis Homer, to me, I think is going to be a steal of a, of, of a draft uh, pick. He is a guy who can contribute on special teams. He's explosive. He can catch the football and be a really good third, third back for this group. Uh, and, and Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan, our assignment sound, and they are only going to get better and better and better. And to see those two rookies come in for three days and be exactly where they need to be and have great confidence and command and fly around was really impressive. And I'm excited about the stability of that linebacking core for this year and years to come. A lot of good things being talked about about the Seahawks rookie class, especially following the rookie minicamp. That is another edition of Four Down Territory right here on Seattle Sports at Night. Uh, quickly before we go to break here, uh, with the Ziggy Onsen news, earlier in the day, Ian Rappaport had reported that the Seahawks were the leaders in the clubhouse for Onsen's services. Well, then Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, he went and sat in on a Buffalo radio show, and they asked him about Ziggy Onsen, and he was quoted as saying, we're still in talks with him and his agent. Everything has been very good. All I say about reports is I don't buy into that garbage, especially when I consider where some of the sourcing comes from. Ah, he, That happened earlier this afternoon around 2 o'clock. And, uh, he just set himself up. Yeah, well, Brandon, I, it appears as though you did not land Ziggy Onsa. So. No, I hope your ability to com- uh, make a roster is better than your interviewing skills because making bold statements like that sets you up for situations like this where now – People in Seattle uh, on the radio, like me and Curtis Rogers, mm. can sit here and make fun of you for saying, dude, you were completely wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong. And you blew it. You blew it. And to say that those sources were wrong, 
Well, shame on you, sir, and I am glad you were wrong because Ziggy Ansah is ours now. Coming to Seattle. Let's go. Let's go. So that begs the question, with Ziggy Ansah now a member of the Seattle Seahawks, or he's going to officially be one tomorrow, that begs the question, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Frank Clark and the four draft picks the Seahawks would have originally had or Ziggy Ansah and the 11 that they made in the 2019 draft? Text in your answers to the Coors Light text line, 710-710. Curtis Rogers, Jake Eaps with you for another hour here on 710 ESPN Seattle.